Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me today, my co-host, one of the PPR. We don't have the R. We're just PP today. We don't want to be the PP podcast, but unfortunately, that's what we are. Right now. Beating Pat. Pat Boyle. What's up, dude? <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, hey. Midway through the NFL season, Pete, a lot of people... Didn't even think we'd be here. We've battled COVID. We've battled some other things. We've battled 2020. We're midway through. It's looking good. It's been a great season, man. I am so excited to see what the back half of this season brings. Let's keep it going. Absolutely. I almost felt like a little bit of like a, a Mel Kuyper vibe from you right there. Do you have any Do you have uh, impersonations up your sleeve? Like, can you pull off like a couple of impersonations of like some like over the top broadcaster type? I feel like you could. I think I, I think in my head I feel like I can do it better, and I feel like when I actually do it, it probably doesn't sound so good. But like, and if I ever wanted to do Mel Kuyper, you got to go off the the Frank Caliendo. Yes. The, the, the Todd Todd Todd. <laughs> no, Richard Sherman, Seattle, great coffee. <laughs> I don't know That's if that was. Only- I don't know if that was good or bad, but I like it either way. I just feel like uh, you just have to talk super fast. And, and like speak in short choppy syllables. I think you know, in- Mel Kuyper. We're looking at the big boy. You see Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers having a great season. <laughs> That's really the it also Mel sounds Kuyper like old timey news guy, or like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, see, you know, a little bit of that. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, off the rails, off the jump. That's all good. We're having fun here. Uh, I will say this before we really get into it. Um, Apple Podcast, Spotify, you know all that, right? If you're listening to us right now, you know where to find us. What you can do, if you do appreciate the pod, if you like Subway Sports Talk so far, um, you know, hit us on Twitter at Subway Sports Talk. TLK, not enough characters for the whole talk. But on Instagram, we got Subway Sports Talk with the A in there. Hit us on either of those DMs, mentions, whatever you want to do. We appreciate hearing from you guys, like, so much. It's the best thing to do. Um, or, you know, on Apple Podcast app, you can do a subscribe rate review situation. As you know, you guys listen to podcasts. I assume you're hearing me say these words as we speak. You know how to support, and all I want to say is thank you for supporting and appreciate everyone who tunes in, no matter where you listen. Uh, also, shout out to Chris Mule. Couldn't make it. Rocco Del Puri couldn't make it. We had scheduling conflicts up the wazoo this week, uh, mostly due to me and a lot of stuff I had going on this week. So Monday we miss. Tuesday was obviously a, a crazy night because of the trade deadline, right? I'm stealing that joke from uh, the run-up the score of Fantasy Football Podcast. But, you know, Tuesday was a little crazy. It wasn't the perfect night to record a podcast. Nonetheless, Pat Boyle and myself are here on Wednesday night for a Thursday morning release to talk week eight, week nine, all things NFL. Great stuff. Thank you. Let's get into it. Pat Boyle. Last week, we made our debut on the podcast making our picks and combined. And I start with combined because it saves my ass a little bit. We were 5-5, five and five, a modest start on the Pete and Pat Picks podcast. Say it five times fast. 5-5, five and five, carried by your 3-2, and two, and held back by my 2-3. and three. So a very solid, you know, modest start. We didn't lose money other than the juice. We'll live with that. You go 500 in a week, you live to see another day. Pat, how'd you feel, before we get into a quick recap of our picks, how'd you feel about your picks after Sunday and Monday for you? I felt really good, Pete. And you know, you're anytime you're you're playing, you're playing spreads, you're playing even odds picks, basically for the most part, you're playing 500 ball. There's not a whole lot you can do. You're you're losing very minimal money. 
you're doing a good job. I felt really great. I felt like I was going to go five and zero. I think I got robbed. I think anybody who always loses feels like that. <laughs> but I mean, I, who again? Who could foresee the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Titans as bad as they did? Tannehill throws a pick in the end zone on the first drive. They miss a field goal. Easily could have won the game. But even then, uh, again, the Rams losing to the Dolphins with Tua in his debut and Tua was basically a no show. You get a an 85 yard. <laughs> Punt return for a touchdown, an 88-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, it was just wasn't in the cards. But I, other than that, I felt great about the Steelers pick. The Chiefs obviously destroyed the Jets. We got the over. That was the only thing I was concerned with. And then the Giants. I said the Giants are going to keep it close. That was it. Boy, was that game a doozy. But, no, overall felt great, ready to go 5-0 and on, in our, on Friday of this week. Yeah, and we'll jump into a few specifics within the games you picked and I picked uh... – and I agree. And I think there's something very interesting about betting, right? It's so easy to play results. And that's what it's all about, right? A win's a win. I, I say it when my friends and I discuss, you know, if you should cash out or if you if you let the parlay ride, right? A win's a win. If, if you were going to win 200, but you only won a buck 25, you know, you still are a winner, right? So I totally get the results-driven business that is gambling. You want to win. You want to walk away with more cash in your pocket than when you started. Understood all that. But... If you're betting over the course of a season, your strategies, your mindsets, your plans need to be sound and remain sound. If you all of a sudden are feeling a certain way about why you picked one game and it didn't go your way because of a punt return and a fumble recovery return by the Dolphins that completely blew up a game, right? Maybe your your thought process wasn't as far off as the score. Maybe your thought process was still sound. It's something that is important uh, to think about, in my opinion. And the perfect example for me is this Raven-Steelers game. I had a bunch of people reaching out on Instagram. I had some friends texting me, like, before and after the Steelers-Ravens game. And they were do- like, dude, how can you uh, not take the Steelers with the points, blah, 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 the Ravens, the Lamar Jackson, not legit, they're too big of a spread, all this different stuff, which I totally understand. I did think that the Ravens was you know, a slightly aggressive pick. That being said, I thought my process, my my mindset was very proper and sound in that regard. You look at that game and you see two turnovers from Lamar Jackson basically on the goal line in the red zone that completely blew up the the layout of the game, right? Also, it was 17-7 Ravens at halftime. The Ravens outgained them on the ground by a big portion. They outgained them across the board by a big portion. The Steelers won the turnover battle. There was four Raven turnovers, which completely changed the game. Now, if you bet the Steelers, good for you. You got the win, and your result was what you wanted. That being said, you cannot sit here and tell me that if you bet the Steelers, you were feeling good about that game the entire time. You weren't feeling good about it until the fourth quarter when, you know, even if the the Ravens came back and won, which they had a very good chance to, you would have covered by a half point or a point, depending on when you locked in, um, you know, during the week. So I get it. The Steelers seemed like this amazing pick at, at before the game and then again after the game. But throughout the duration of the game, watching those two teams go head-to-head, I still feel pretty good about my Ravens pick. Am I being a bit of a sore loser here, Pat, or is my thought process sound? Because I feel like I'd make that pick again. No, yeah, absolutely. That's one where in my position where, I mean, either way, the Steelers were going to cover, but I had the under. And it, you know, it hit by what a point and a half. I got right. to be under 53 and a half when we gave the picks. Baltimore is going in to, to try to take the lead with two minutes left. You fumble on the five yard line. And that's one where, where you're in my position, you go, hey, 
a win is a win. It shouldn't have happened. We'll take it. And that's one where your position, Pete, you go, how the hell did this lose? They had over 240 more yards of offense. Like you said, it just came down to the turnovers and some extremely inopportune turnovers for Baltimore was the difference in that one. And in your position, yeah, you have every right to be a sore loser because that's one where you kick yourself right. and you go and you just feel so beaten because you know you basically made the right pick and it just didn't work out for you. Exactly. And I don't exactly I don't really regret taking the Ravens. I just regret how the Ravens played in that game, right? It was it, and you know, the Steelers are a specific case because their defense tends to create turnovers. It's not uh, extreme one-off scenario where the Steelers all of a sudden created turnovers. They tend to do that with, you know, their pass rush and Minka Fitzpatrick out there making plays all the time. So I understand that. I am just saying I, I feel good about where I came from in that bet despite the loss. The Browns, on the other hand, that was a situation where I don't feel good about my mindset. I did not think it was a sound bet. I was going against some of the numbers that I saw in regards to things we talked about on the Picks Pod on Friday, Pat, where the tickets land and where the cash lands. All the tickets, all the cash was on uh, the Raiders. The Raiders, by a lot of metrics, based off how they played the Bucks a lot tighter than it looked, beating the Chiefs, have been a better team than uh, I wanted to give them credit for and a lot of people wanted to give them credit for. Granted, the win didn't help Baker Mayfield in the slightest. That being said, I neglected some data and went with a gut, which you got to do every once in a while. That's a pick maybe I look forward next time and say, don't disregard the percentages as much when you look at tickets and cash and all that stuff. You mean to tell me the wind? Wait, the wind played a factor in that game? <laughs> bro, that game, that game it was, was crazy. Like a goddamn hurricane <laughs> going crazy, on in the game, man. dude. Yeah, kicks swirling across the entire field. I mean, that's a game in the beginning. I said, as a Browns fan, I want to go. I want to go far away from. And then you throw in the did. fact that again they're playing in a goddamn tornado. You just knew it wasn't going to work out the the right way. You and warned. You warned field. me, Pat. You warned me. I, I tried to, you know, I, again, that's your decision. You felt strong about it. And who knows if it's under normal conditions, like we're not playing in a hundred mile an hour winds, <laughs> maybe the Browns do get it done, but all things considered, you know, when I, when I saw that, when I saw Carlson from Oakland miss that first kick, mm. I said, we might not see 20 combined points in this game. And somehow we, we barely did. Just passed it. <laughs> tough. Yeah. Was, that's a tough one. Uh, and, and not to dwell too much on all the recap of all these picks, right? The Colts cashed in pretty easy. That was a good one. Good job. Good job by me. My only really great pick of the week. The other one that was real close uh, was Bears Saints. I want to mention this one for, for one particular reason. I didn't like the Bears, and I said it on the podcast. I hate betting on the Bears. They're frustrating. Their offense kind of stinks. They're a defense-only team. That being said, don't feel great about the Saints. Pat. How do you feel about the Saints right now? They seem like in a, such a weird spot. Michael Thomas is apparently coming back now, but underwhelming victories out of these guys. Yeah, again, that's four straight come-from-behind wins for New Orleans, and all four games you think they easily could have lost. Drew Brees still has, I think, a lot of questions to answer about his arm strength. Um, it's obviously not as bad as it was in that loss to, uh, to Vegas on Monday Night Football. He's obviously shown that you know he doesn't have that weak of an arm. But I have not been impressed by New Orleans. The defense is still kind of solid. You know, they're, they're not the defense they were last year. And I think they can be beaten on almost any given Sunday. So the fact that that's now four straight come from behind wins for them, every one of those games, I believe they've scored a touchdown on a two-minute drill in the final two minutes of a, of a half. So, you know, again, it's the little things, man, but that's it comes down to their well-coached team. Sean Payton finds a way, just like Belichick has found a way over the years to get the results when they need them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely do not feel uh, great about the Saints team at five and two. They easily could have lost that game, even with the big lead. 
Um, but yeah, those, those, that's a game where two teams, five wins or four wins and five wins. And you really don't feel that great about either of them. Oh, ugly. I mean, the bears, one of the worst, you know, five and two, five and three teams we've seen in, in quite some time. It feels like, right. Uh, but to, to start moving off the picks review again, two and three for Pete, three and two for Pat five and five total modest start. We'll be back on Friday with more picks, but to, to now segue into the last game that you picked and now rematch coming up this week, we have the Saints and Bucks playing again. We're a far cry from week one where it was, you know, panic time for the Bucks. The Patriots were still good, and the Saints were going to walk to the be the best team in the NFC. We're a far cry from that. But, Pat, this Bucks giants game could have went in a lot of different directions uh, that would have led to different feelings coming into the Saints-Bucks rematch. So I want you to kind of... Give your thoughts on this Bucks Giants game because the Giants somehow keep competing and looking very solid at times, and then blowing it or coming up short or whatever it may be. But what what did you take away from that game? Was it the Giants being more competitive, or the Bucks maybe playing to their competition or not being as good as maybe we thought a week or two ago? Uh, I still think the Bucks are one of the top teams in the NFC, if not the top team. But that, you know that's a game again where I say it all the time. There's so much parity in the NFL. Anybody can win on any given day. And, you know, we'll get to Daniel Jones in, in just a minute. And even though I still am going to stand on that hill and say he's the quarterback of the future for them, one thing is for absolute certainty, and that is Joe Judge is the head coach for the Giants for the oh, future. Yeah. Uh, again, competing every week. They're in every single game with the exception of that blowout loss to San Francisco. They've been in every single game especially against some of the better teams in the NFL, like Tampa Bay on Monday, like the loss to Chicago, like the, the close loss to the Rams. Uh, Dallas, you know, even, even in Dallas, you know, obviously isn't a good team. Well, it was a mostly, was, it was a mostly Dak led Cowboys until exactly. the end. Was, you know, you know, Dak went down at the later stages, right. <laughs> the close loss to the Rams, uh, the close loss to the Steelers. So the giants compete week in and week out. That's not a cliche. You, you watch it. You see from the beginning, this team plays hard. The defense plays hard. They're led by a good, solid core group of veterans in their first year. Bradbury, Martinez, Fackrell. Uh, the defensive line, they're, they're starting to get to the quarterback even a little bit more. You saw them frustrate Brady, almost smashed his helmet in half on the bench. So it starts with their defense. And we've talked about good Giants teams in the past. It's always the defense. They've got a pretty solid one. Their defense probably could be even better if the offense could stay on the field at times more. Right. But – you know, and then we get to Daniel Jones again. He makes certain passes where you go, holy crap, this guy's a stud. The tying, well, what would have been the, the game-tying touchdown pass on one of the final plays of the game, that is an absolute dime. Biscuit. And he made, again, his ability to create with his legs, his mobility, you always have to worry about that. Uh, the fact that Evan Engram finally made some catches. He basically the same exact play on that pass that he dropped against the Eagles he made a tremendous catch late in the stage against Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Golden Tate is a is a oh a big uh, he is a big distraction right now. And his wife certainly saying all the stuff she did didn't help. But you know, you're you're underutilizing Golden Tate, who's a you know a pretty average receiver. Well, and the bro, offense, some of the plays he makes is above that. That catch he made at the end of the game. Oh my gosh! It, it reminds us it, what type of athlete and and ca- pass catcher that guy was. Holy and hell! Still, and they're still not throwing him the football right. basically ever. You know, Wait, what's what happening with his wife right now? I don't think I caught this. Uh, his wife that? posted on Instagram that, you know, he they're killing his stats. They're mm. not using him, which, you know, he's probably communicating to her at home that and saying sure. he's frustrated, which is completely normal. 
but then she's got no business going on social media, hosting that, creating a distraction within the locker room. Because now that's obviously going to be something that the Giants coaching staff, you know, is in their minds. Uh, but either way, you know, again, with Jones, then he makes some plays like the second interception where you go throw the damn ball away. Like, what are you doing? And somebody said it to me, and it's kind of hard to disagree with. At this point in his career, Daniel Jones kind of resembles Jameis Winston. Oh, okay. You Daniel see, Jones. How many times have we seen Jameis Winston in the past when he was in Tampa Bay throw for 350 yards, throw for three touchdowns? He's throwing to Mike Evans and Godwin, and they had Perriman last year. But then obviously, what, the, the nine pick sixes, the plethora of interceptions, that is kind of what Daniel Jones is. Yeah. He will wow you on one play, and he will have you seething with anger on the next. You, you could actually you could watch the last drive alone, just the last drive, and find multiple good plays and multiple bad plays, and you know, give or take to really good and really bad. On that yep. one drive alone, and that's why it's so infuriating as a fan, it's like, it's like sports crack, right? It's like a sport drug. Where you yep. watch him, it's Carson Wentz and Jace as well. Jameis Winston's a great example. Carson Wentz is in that same category right now. Carson Wentz makes one of these plays where, you know, he's grabbed by a defensive lineman. He skirts out to the side, throws the ball on a line, you know, 30 yards downfield. Great play that could maybe save a driver, change the course of a game. And then two plays later, he'll throw it away. I mean, throw it uh, to the other team, a throw an interception. Daniel Jones is the same concept right now. It's very, very frustrating because I. I don't ever know exactly where to go where when it comes to like what's correctable or what's kind of just like something that the quarterback doesn't have. Jameis clearly, up until this point in his career, who knows if he's learning behind Drew Brees or not, but had a lack of awareness. Carson Wentz has a uh, a bit of it's like a try hard mentality. Try hard is the wrong way to phrase it, but he's always going to try to make the best play possible, which isn't always the best play, right? If that makes yeah, sense. A lot of the times, to his detriment, and Jones exactly. is the same way. You see the plays that he wows you with, and you go, this guy has the tools. He's got the arm strength. Uh, then again, you know, even on a lot of plays where he had guys down the field open, he completely missed, I believe it was Slayton. Uh, Slayton I think, wide open. I think open. he might have missed Slayton and, twice, and I remember correctly. On that, on that same play, and he also missed the guys that they beat Tampa Bay a lot down the field. They had a lot of long ball chances, and he, and he missed some targets. So I have uh, started to shift to becoming a lot more critical of Jones but that being said, it's because I, I I still stand by the talent that he has, the potential that he has. He has to start cleaning up the turnovers. It's starting to become a broken record to the point where now, um, you know, I can no longer kind of say, look, he's still developing. He's got to right. clean him up quick. He's got to start improving. You're going to have to start seeing these improvements on a week-by-week basis. I think it's oh, 21 or 22 games he's played now. He's only had one game without a turnover. Yeah, and he's got one 36 game. turnovers in his first 21-22 games, which Oof. is alarming. And it's, it's uh, not that gonna, being said, you know, you can't take away from the fact that the Giants still have a bottom three offensive line, so he's constantly under pressure. Right. You know, if he's protected like a Tom Brady, like a Drew Brees, probably a different story, obviously. But you can't, you know, you can't make those ifs up for every situation. But, uh, again, you know, Daniel Jones, everyone's saying he cost him this game. I wouldn't say he cost him the game. You know, you get a pass interference call. You throw the flag on the final play. You can't go and pick the flag up. You either don't throw it, which probably you wouldn't have had too many complaints, but you throw the flag. You can't then go and pick it up. Right. Yeah, you, you, you accept the no the call. Ball, 
you accept the no call even if you're not happy with it. But if it gets thrown, you you can't just. Winfield ugh. gets there before the ball. He's not looking. You know, it was thrown late, so I, obviously you would have been pissed if the flag's not thrown at all in the first place. But then it's thrown, and they pick it up. So to me, that was my gripe with that. Uh, but to say Jones cost them, uh, absolutely not, because you still had some passes that were dropped. Again, the offensive line is still uh, needs so much improvement. Um, and even then, you know, there's some plays on the defense in the later stages of that game where, you know, they, you know, they let Brady kind of again do what Brady does, and and that can be stopped. And they stopped him for so much of that game. And again, it's almost like the Giants go into that soft zone coverage. They they almost play to lose in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I tweeted. The Giants in the quarters one through three are a playoff caliber team, and I will stand by that. But when it comes to quarter four, they're almost as bad as the Jets. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and oh my god, get, and I don't want to go off on the Giants no, because we do. No, it every yeah, week, it, it's it's a great point by you, and I, I said it as well in different words in the tweet. You know, I keep thinking that there's going to be a point where the Giants flip the script and win one of these close games, or actually complete the comeback in one of these close games. Why should I think that's going to happen soon? Why should a fan have any confidence in the fourth quarter watching Daniel Jones play? It's a play-to-play different quarterback, basically. It's a guy who's going to wow you or throw the game away. And it's very frustrating, and it leads to this conversation that I don't want to have, Pat. I don't want to have this conversation yet, but if, if you're really trying to think about this team and you're Joe Judge and you're Dave Gettleman, the, if you're not having these conversations, you're not doing your job. So I'll say the same thing about us. Obviously, you're giving Daniel Jones the longest leash you possibly could through the rest of this season, but if the Giants end up with two or three wins this year and a second pick, third pick, fourth pick-ish, whatever, Justin Fields is there and looks like a stud, bro. I'm, I'm just saying, if you How are you Dave, tell me Justin? this, tell me this, if you're Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge, are you, you got to be having this conversation though, am I right? No. What? How do you say no, that you're not having the conversation? First of all, if you're Dave Gettleman and you keep your job for the next season, you're not going to go back on taking what you think is your quarterback of the future just two years prior. He's not going to do that. Dave, and, and I agree Gettleman, with you, but... Y'all say we know Dave Gettleman, but we know Dave Gettleman. He's not going to go say, you know what, I was wrong. Let's take another quarterback where the offensive line has glaring holes. The pass rush still needs work. The... Uh, I wouldn't say the running back position because Barkley's going to be back next year. We've seen in the NFL, you can never have too much depth, but they don't need a running back. They need to draft another lineman. Andrew Thomas, you got to give him, I guess, a little bit of time. He's been really, really bad. Mm-hmm. He started, he looked a little bit better on Monday night. You know, he went up against one of the best pass rushing teams in the, in the league. That defense, he held up, man. he held up pretty decently. So he's starting to show some small improvements, but they still have glaring issues on that offensive line. Zeitler hasn't been good. Fleming hasn't been good. Will Hernandez now has COVID. So you had a fifth round pick, Shane Lemieux. Um, you know, obviously didn't study the offensive line for all Monday night, but you go by the numbers, the offensive line has been abysmal. Yeah. So more the of the Giants same for the offensive that. line. They can also always improve the the pass rush. They're still in the bottom of in terms of getting to the quarterback, in terms of sacks, instead of quarterback pressures. Now uh, yeah, so let me let me let me stop you there. No, no, hold on. Let me just go. You're not, you're not going with Daniel Jones. You've got to give him more time. Okay. I don't know where Listen. we got to this point where a quarterback, you, a, a year and a half, and no, he's done. He's done. I've seen that across the league, and I, I don't get it. I agree, but there's moments in time. There's moments in time where it makes sense, a.k.a. 
Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. Now, Josh Rosen did not look nearly uh, as impactful as Daniel Jones in certain in those moments or talented or whatever you want to say. Uh, I get it. I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying either. But and that, that's in reality, right? In reality, I agree with you. In theory, I want my GM to not be so stubborn to say, oh, Daniel Jones, I reach for him. It looked like a good pick. It looked like a bad pick. Now it looks like a bad pick again or whatever it may be. Doesn't matter. I think this guy's better or I think this guy could be better. I have to consider it. If my if my GM is not considering Justin Fields at the second, third, fourth, fifth pick, whatever it is, granted the Giants can win games and not even be close, I'm going to be upset. I'd be upset with that. Why would you not consider it? This guy, Justin Fields, is looking like a, a real talent here. There's people saying if it wasn't Trevor Lawrence, he'd be the number one pick, no doubt, right? So to, to not even consider it, in my opinion, is, is silly. And Daniel Jones gets the rest of the season. If he doesn't turn any of these late uh, comebacks into wins, if he doesn't put a team away one time, why are we going to sit here and say it's going to change next year? Oh, it's going to change. It's going to change. No, there's moments where he looks hesitant. There's moments where he looks uncomfortable. You can chalk it up to the O-line all you want. There has to be a point where he turns up and says, I'm going to win this freaking game for the New York Giants right now. And we have not seen it. And, and Pete, you're right. I mean, I've obviously, and I'm kind of going off the fact that I don't think that Daniel Jones is going to continue to do this every game for the next eight games of the season. I think you're going to see a big second half improvement. Now, whether that's me standing on my hill and dying on it or not, I do think that because I think he has improved from week one to week eight. And also the fact that you replace Daniel Jones with another quarterback that you would consider in his tier. Who would you say is in his tier? Sam Darnold. Who else would you say is in his tier? At this point, Joe Burrows. Maybe a Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrows better already. I, I disagree. You replace Daniel Jones with a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold or a I'm trying to think of another quarterback in you know in that tier. Either way, those two guys fit the the bill pretty well. Yeah. Are you telling me this Giants team now has three more wins if Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold's the quarterback? No, uh, but I also think the Browns and, should consider moving off Baker Mayfield. I'm thinking uh, that there you go. I'm thinking <laughs> there that the, you go, but to me, you uh, you build when you see franchises build good football teams. How many times is it built by moving off one quarterback and moving off another? And look at me, and I know you can easily the cop out answer is Kyler Murray. Arizona's I'm defense not thinking about that from a one to a ten in the last year. Their offensive line was bottom tier of the NFL last year. It's top tier now. They've limited the sacks. Kyler Murray fell into a pretty good situation. Yeah, and DeAndre it's Hopkins like, didn't hurt in year two either, and, right? And DeAndre Hopkins didn't hurt. It's not like this. It's the same exact team with Kyler Murray instead of Josh Rosen, and now all of a sudden, boom! Look at these results. Here's here's so, my here's my counter. Here's my counter. Ahead. Ready? Go ahead. Totally understand the Kyler thing is kind of unique, right? Let's look at the Rams and the 49ers. Do you think there's some regret? Going all, you know, all your chips in the in the Jared Goff basket, in the Jimmy G basket, where you built teams as, you know, you look at McVay and Shanahan, the Rams and Niners, where it was, okay, we have a quarterback who doesn't suck. This guy doesn't suck. He can do the things we need him to do, and we're so talented, and our schemes are, we trust them so much that we're going to beat teams. We're even going to put some teams away. We're going to look like we're changing the game. Now, fast forward two years, right, the Rams start to get figured out a bit. Uh, the 49ers are a weird case because of the injuries, right? But if you ask McVay, if you ask Shanahan and put them on truth serum, do you think their confidence in Goff and Jimmy G are great? And I don't think they are. 
And I don't think Daniel Jones is much better or much better off than Jared Goff or Jimmy G for that matter. I know he has more physical tools as far as running the ball, but an arm talent, Jared Goff, I've seen him make awesome throws time and time again and then look terrible, right? So if you don't have to put all your eggs in the Jared Goff basket, a.k.a. the Giants' Daniel Jones basket, with a chance to upgrade in the draft and keep Justin Fields on a rookie contract and then spend in free agency, use your other picks in those spots you're talking about, there's a chance for a launch pad like the Cardinals just did. They moved off a first-round pick like that. They made all the other uh, you know, proper trades and free agency signings that they could. And now look at this team with a stud quarterback rather than a guy who's not going to lose for you but ain't going to win it for you. I don't think Daniel Jones is a guy who looks like he's going to be winning it for you anytime soon because of all the mistakes where Justin Fields, if you like him, can be a guy who can do it all. So I don't know. And, and Pete, I'm glad that you used Jimmy G and Jared Goff as comparisons to Daniel Jones because, correct me if I'm wrong, did, did Jimmy G and Jared Goff both not go to the Super Bowl the last two years? I agree. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that that's, I mean, that's fine. That's a fine point, but right now, does it look like they're getting back anytime soon or if Shanahan or McVay can get off of them that they wouldn't? What 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 was part of the reason? The San Francisco, obviously, you can't answer that yes, question. Yes, the injuries, they have of course. A, they have a litany the Rams, of injuries though. to literally all their best players. And the Rams spent up the wazoo. Now Jared Goff's on a contract. They were trading for anybody they can get. They're signing people to big deals. They did get, they move off Todd Gurley or they let him go, right? But where's the path for them to get back? Their best chance was when Goff was still on that rookie contract. Same for the well, Eagles. With Carson well, I'm going to tell you the path to where the Giants take another big step forward next year, and that is like any other franchise that has built a Super Bowl-winning team. You look at the Bucks. You look at the Saints. You look at the Packers. You look at the Seahawks. Tremendous offensive lines. The Giants have the opposite. Good pass rush. The Giants can improve drastically. Again, Giants teams of the past built on defense. Their defense is good. It can get better, and the offensive line is still a glaring issue. That being said, you you improve those areas, and Daniel Jones will automatically, especially at the offensive line, see better results. He won't be under pressure almost every play. I, I believe, I, I think I saw it the other day, Daniel Jones is pressured on almost half of his dropbacks, mm. if not more. Mm. And the time that usually he is under pressure is usually within three seconds. That's not going to get that it done. Is not, it's not, and it's not an easy task. And again, people like to just immediately attack Jones. We like, especially in New York, you know, it's the easiest thing to talk about the quarterback. That's the face of your team. And it's easy to look at a team that's one and seven with a bunch of losable games and a quarterback that has turned the ball over and say, he's not the one move on. Look with the Browns. I'm a Browns fan. We went through 29 quarterbacks before we maybe still haven't even found one. <laughs> You're not just going to find a Kyler Murray. You're not just going to find a Joe Burrows. So, and, and again, Joe Burrow is still eight games in, but he looks right. like he's the real deal. He's probably the rookie of the year. So it, you're not automatically, if you have Justin Fields, Justin Fields isn't automatically going to be the, the savior for you. I, I, I think I, this I'm Giants team is in, still in a decent position. And I know and I'm very passionate about I, this. I, I hear know. you though. No, listen, and, and the unfortunate part of this debate we're having right now is that the Giants could and should win some games in the second half of the season, right? They should have won games before this, and they won't be in that 2-5 to range. They'll be in the 7-11 to range again where they're not going to have a chance at Justin Fields anyway, probably, right? So this might be a silly conversation. Maybe the moral of the story is, for me, 
You got to think about it, though. You got to think about this. it. I'll say this at the end of the day. If Gettleman has his job and he is drafting the Giants in April next year, if he takes a quarterback, I'll, I, will, <laughs> I will put anything on the line that if Gettleman's got the ability to draft next year, he will not take a quarterback. He's too stubborn. I'm with you, but I wish he wasn't. I wish he wasn't. I think one of the most uh, heroic things you can do as a human being, especially one who has power, is admit that something either was a mistake or could be better that was you're doing. I think that's one of the strongest things you can do as a GM is to know when to move off or know when to try something that could be better. And I don't know if Gettleman is that dude because he seems to be very prideful and perhaps stubborn. I don't know. So we'll see. I, listen, this guy, Justin Fields, we got to watch him. He's only played, what, two games so far this season? Two games exactly. so far? So I, I might be ahead of myself. I might be ahead of myself, but it's a discussion that's worthwhile, though we went way longer than we probably should have on that topic. Anyways, Subway Sports Talk, we'll move on to the next topic here. Um, we t- talked about, we didn't even talk about the Bucks. We didn't even talk about them. I don't know. I don't, we don't have time. It's, it's gone. The Bucks are done. We'll talk about them at the end, week nine preview maybe, because they have a good matchup coming up. Uh, so let's talk about the Steelers-Ravens. We kind of talked about it already with uh, the betting angle. But in the non-betting angle, the Steelers are undefeated. Lamar Jackson has now come to down to earth as a quarterback who can be had, especially against a talented defense like the Steelers, right? With pass rush and athletes and all this different jazz. Do you feel like the Steelers truly launched themselves to Super Bowl contender with this win? Maybe you thought they were already there. Don't know. And do you feel like the Ravens dropped a true notch? Or do you think this is perhaps just a real division rival that could have went either way and both these teams are still very much Super Bowl contenders? I don't know where you land. I don't know what team you're feeling right now. Your team is in this division, so you know them about as good as anyone. What are your thoughts on this undefeated Steelers team or seemingly stumbling Ravens team? No, absolutely. I thought the Steelers were a Super Bowl contender before Sunday. I think they cemented that, especially the last two weeks. You beat an undefeated Titans team. You beat the team that people have in the top five, probably in the NFL, and the Ravens. Uh, they're undefeated for a reason. It goes back to the head coach, Mike Tomlin. I mean, I can't believe still, what was it, two years last year, people were saying Mike Tomlin's job should be up for debate. Get the hell out of here. Guy's a Super Bowl champion. He consistently builds winning programs. The front office does a tremendous job. Another team with a, probably a top five offensive line. They've got great receiving weapons. That is how you draft. You looked at the Steelers. Oh what God, did they impressive. need? A clinic. What did they need? The offensive line was solid. They added Chase Claypool. They've got. They've added in it now De- Deontay Johnson. The front seven is elite. I mean, they've got Minka Fitzpatrick last year, and that's steal of a trade. They are loaded all over the place. They literally have no deficiencies, in my opinion. And, and Roethlisberger was the biggest question mark. And so far, he has silenced all those doubters. So, yeah, they were a Super Bowl contender going into Sunday, in my opinion. They, they are uh, no doubt a Super Bowl contender. Now, they should have an absolute field day on Sunday against Ben DiNucci and the Cowboys. Then they get the Bengals, the Jaguars, before they play the Ravens again. This team should easily be 10-0 going into that rematch with the Ravens. That's going to be a hell of a game. Um, and in my opinion, I, I've never truly been sold on the Ravens. You know, I saw somebody tweet this the other day. They're basically the Bucks of the NBA. Ooh. They're a team, they're okay. a team that or the they Rockets, are for that matter. They're, yeah, they're dominant in the regular season. And we've seen now over the last two years, they do not show up in the postseason. And we've seen time and time again, as electric as Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson can be, 
you got a good game plan for him. you got a team that can contain him and force him to throw. You can shut him down. And Baltimore's defense now, especially banged up, a lot of guys, COVID, injuries. Uh, I am not, not feeling too strong at all about Baltimore. What I'll say about the Lamar thing and, sh- and shutting him down, and, and it's just kind of funny, right? So it's like, oh, if you have four guys who can rush the passer by themselves and you know cause, cause havoc in the backfield – and really force a guy to make decisions with a bunch of DBs and linebackers out there in coverage. Like you're going to be able to stop him. Like yeah, kind of true for <laughs> kind of true for everybody, right? It's like you know, the whole, if you have an if you have an elite defense. Yeah, like if your team is really really good, you might have a chance to win. But no, it's the same concept with the uh, the whole Brady stuff throughout his whole career, right? With the Giants, like oh, the Giants had the formula. They had four awesome pass rushers who they didn't have to you know blitz to apply pressure. Like yeah. Well, wouldn't that be nice, right? Like every team wishes they had that. This is most teams don't. So, on one hand, I I do think it's a little bit overdrawn on Lamar. With you know, is there a formula? Sure, it's being really good. Like it's being really good at uh, rushing the quarterback or having really great athletes on defense. So yes, there's a formula to beat him. I do agree that it's looking tough. I also will say this: you were mentioning how the Steelers went out and added a Claypool. They brought in a great guy in Deontay Johnson. They they have a pass rush that's incredible. The Ravens just got Yannick Ngakwe. That's great. They don't have a true receiver. They really don't have a, a, a reliable, big target, number one receiver who can do a little bit of every, everything. Even a guy, we were just talking about the Giants, so he's top of mind, like Sterling Shepard, who can do a little bit of everything. He's not you know a true burner, uh, but he can go deep a little bit. He can make big catches in the middle of the field. He can beat one-on-one defenders every once in a while. They don't have that guy. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, great athlete, sick talent, big play waiting to happen, all this stuff. He's not a big, you know, third and nine. You're going to trust him to get open and and make a contested catch every time. Willie Sneed might be their most trustworthy guy outside of the tight end Mark Andrews, and that makes it harder for me on Lamar Jackson. So in that regard, I give him a slight pass because that's something that's pretty damn important, and we see what happens to teams... Even like Aaron Rodgers, when Devontae Adams is out, uh, it looks a little bit tougher to move the ball, depending on what team they're playing, right? So if you don't have that dude who you trust on third and eight, third and 11, something like that, it becomes a little bit more difficult. That being said, yeah. Lamar needs to figure out his his lane as it uh, pertains to a pocket passer, right? Oh, yeah, Pete, and you, you hit it right on the head. You know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers receiving core is – Head and shoulders. It's stupid, be dude. It's stupid good. It's so, it's yeah. better than, it might be the best in the league, right? And a guy like Hollywood Brown, you know, again, another guy took, taking to social media, can't do it. Taking to social media saying, you know, you got all these soldiers, you're not going to use them. Uh, Cause they only targeted him, I think two or three times against right. Pittsburgh. And I heard that was, uh, he's had at least six targets in like every game he's played this, in his career, which is crazy. That's a, that's a good, good target share right there. Yeah. But, you know, you got Marquise <laughs> Brown, Willie Snead, Devin Duvernay, and then you got a pair of probably run block first tight ends that have kind of overachieved and, and Mark Andrews and my cousin, Nick Boyle. Hey now. Um, just getting no, re- no relation, but uh, again, that, that's a receiving core that could use some help. That's another team that didn't really do much at the trade deadline, a trade deadline that, you know, for whatever, 2020, obviously, is not going to be like a trade deadline of any other season. But, and um, yeah, he, but when you, when you look at this Baltimore team, you're, you're expecting them to contend for a Super Bowl when they get to a team like Pittsburgh, when they get to a team like Tampa Bay, who's got an elite pass rush. When you get to a team like, uh, you know, any other team in the NFL that has an elite front seven, 
can you beat them? And right. so far, we've seen Baltimore hasn't been able to. And the running numbers were there, right? Gus Edwards, my guy, my Staten Island guy, my my dude bus. right there, the Gus bus looking good. J.K. Dobbins, give the man the ball some more. I mean, he looks fantastic as well. They both had nice little numbers on the ground. So you can't even blame the Mark Ingram thing. You really can only look at, you know, a banged-up O-line. I'm pretty sure their, their left tackle went out. I forget if it was the second or third quarter. Uh, so that wasn't good, obviously. Yeah, Ronnie Stanley, but, uh, Ronnie Stanley's on the IR now. Right, but you need some. You need to give Lamar some help. Maybe it becomes a true focus next year to do what the Cardinals just did and try to find, obviously not someone as good as DeAndre Hopkins. There might be only one or two people in the world as good as DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe not him exactly, but I'm thinking about even like a Kenny Galladay type guy who is trustworthy, big play, not small, like physically, who, who can really help Lamar out in these tough spots. So I'm not ready to give up on the Ravens. We're going to see them play a lackluster team in the next couple of weeks, probably. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. And they're going to roll. And he's going to look sick, and he's going to pass from the pocket and be like, oh, everyone, free, everyone's freaking out. Like, Let's remember that they could have won this game. Let's remember that they play again, and we'll see what happens on Thanksgiving. So I'm not ready to take the Ravens off the Super Bowl contender board, but there's obviously reason for concern. There's obviously reason for, for concern there. Oh man, we're getting we're getting into it today, Patty. We're getting into it. I love it. It's fantastic. I love it, man. And uh, speaking of of trade deadline, right? It's um the trade deadline in the NFL is is never too exciting, in my opinion. It's kind of like uh, you're just waiting for a big thing. You hear a rumor about a big name, and maybe you get a, a defensive end move like Yannick Ngakwe, who's a nice big name for football's sake, at least, right? Uh, but you never really get a lot of moving and shaking at the trade deadline. Minka Fitzpatrick last year was probably one of the bigger moves you can see, and it was mostly surprising because the Steelers quarterback was already hurt. They still won freaking seven or eight games, I forget. So nothing crazy really happened. But is there one move to you, Pat, in like the four or five that actually happened that is going to make a big impact, or are these more, you know, slight needle movers? Um, I think just in terms of, you know, the rich get richer, Avery Williamson, you know, literally the was it the vid- the video he posted in full uniform with the umbrella, getting a, a taxi cab to go take me straight to Pittsburgh. He could not get the hell out of New York quickly enough. He still did Owen, his spot on the fan, by the way. Exactly yeah, with Joe and Evan. I love yeah. it. Zero and seven to eight and zero. I mean, are you kidding me? It's like taking somebody out of the dumpster and saying, "Here you go. Here's a you know a, a wealthy family living in a, on on Cape Cod or in the Hamptons. Here you go. Have fun." So he gets to go to the Jets to a team immediately going and competing for a Super Bowl. I mean, he's got to be one of the happiest guys on planet Earth. He's like a pig in shit right now. And the Jamal um, Adams uh, back and forth with him on Instagram. He's like, happy uh, for you, bro. And then <laughs> dude, it's just, again, it just it goes back to how oh the Jets are. You can relate almost anything back to how bad the Jets are. Something <laughs> that, you know, Joe, oh, Bengals got Joe Burrows. Yeah, because the Jets are so incompetent. I mean, you literally yeah. just use that as anything. Yeah, the Jets yeah, couldn't yeah, even Avery tank Williamson, right. They just added to their pass rush, um, you know. I, it's and some of the the trade deadline, Pete. That was more interesting. It's uh, kind of what didn't happen more mm. so than what did. Um, you know, a team that I love to follow and talk about because I think they kind of have the tools to be a Super Bowl team year in and year out. And time is running out on him. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Obvious need for a wide receiver. They don't do. They don't do shit. <laughs> to be honest. And also um, obvious needs for some defensive pieces. So even yep. if, if they don't go for Fuller, 
get one get maybe Avery Will, uh, Williamson. Like you, you might have needed someone like him, or you might have needed Carlos Dunlap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and, and and Pete, you and something. I were talking. You know, you and I were talking before we started recording on you know kind of what's going on with Houston. Obviously, Bill O'Brien, who was the GM head coach, get you know he's got the hell out of Houston. You know, they got a GM. I couldn't even tell you who it is right now. Obviously, it's somebody with basically no experience, an interim GM, maybe not in a position to deal a superstar wide receiver like Will Fuller. Uh, they wanted a second round pick. They weren't going to get it. It was a deal that was, you know, most likely never going to happen. But even then, there's other receivers that Green Bay could have went for, especially right on Houston. You could have gone for, um, you know, a guy like Kenny Stills. You could have gone for a guy like Brandon Cooks that you can give up maybe a fourth round pick for. You know, we know Green Bay, God forbid they make a trade. God forbid they sign free agents up until last year. It's always been go through the draft, go through the draft. And, I mean, it hasn't worked other than the one year won a Super Bowl. So you got to do something. And with Alan Lazard being hurt, now he's coming back. They're getting Aaron Jones back. Um, you know, they've got their other two running backs now with COVID or on the COVID list. So it's a team that has not been able to stay healthy, that is reliant upon their offense putting up big numbers. And you had a clear-cut opportunity to make a move. They didn't do it. You still got Jordan Love, the first-round draft pick, Jordan Love, sitting on the bench, dumbest draft pick in the history of the NFL, in my opinion. So Green Bay came up empty-handed, big losers at the deadline. Probably going to cost him in the long run. Unless they can stay completely healthy the rest of the year, which we know how hard that is to do. That, to me, was the biggest loss of the deadline was Green Bay not making a move for a receiver, let alone really anybody. Right. And, and like, like I said before, you could have justified it pretty easily if you made improvements elsewhere, right? They've clearly been treating Aaron Rodgers in, in such a way where they either have so much respect for him that they don't need to feel like they need to give him help. I don't know. Maybe they feel like Adams and Jones is enough. I don't know, but making any sort of improvement to this team that in theory should be a Super Bowl contender because you have the quarterback and you have that division in your grasp that needed to be done. You needed to make some sort of improvement and how frustrating, how frustrating you think Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, seriously, people. Well, I don't know why the hell he's still even in Green Bay. The place sucks. It, cold it's all the terrible. Time. Why would you want to be there? I, I, and players have said that many times. There's many accounts of players being like, it's terrible. There's nothing to do at all. It's cold and it's dark and it sucks, right? So that that's it's tough, but it's obviously it's a legendary franchise. And I don't I don't know. I mean, I personally I hated the Jordan Love pick no matter where it went. I was on this podcast way back when it was the Sports Blog New York podcast on the draft preview saying this quarterback is not good. He's not good at football. I watched as many YouTube clips as I possibly could find on Jordan Love last year. Going into those YouTube clips, I was like Yo, this guy's got size. He's got some swag. I think I'm going to like this guy. And I try not to predetermine my head, but sometimes you can't help it. You, you hear stuff. You think you might like a guy. You go in biased. So I even went in slightly biased, wanting to like this guy and watch as many YouTube clips as I could. Abysmal. Wasn't good. Did not understand how uh, other quarterbacks were ranked behind him. I didn't understand how people were thinking of him as a first-round pick. Didn't understand it. And then of all the teams to freaking take a swing on it, it was a team with Aaron Rodgers? What? In the first, oh, it was mind-boggling. I have nothing else to say about it. Unless you have something else to say about the Packers, move on. They just get, they're just going to keep getting run over, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough help. That's what it comes down to. I'll tell you what, Thursday night, uh, by the time you're releasing this, tonight probably is the game they have to win. San Francisco is banged up as all hell. They're like uh, most hospitals, you know, not to make a joke of COVID, but they're like most hospitals right now. You know, they are stuffed 
overstuffed with guys. Not to make a joke about COVID, but to make a joke about COVID. (laughs) I mean, and they've got guys with COVID. They've got guys that are hurt. So, I mean, they are in a very, very bad situation. No Garoppolo, no Kittle, no Debo Samuel. Still no of their, basically their three best defensive players on the side of the football. Nick Mullins is your quarterback going up against Green Bay. They still got a pretty, pretty solid defense. Darius Smith and those guys. And this is a game Thursday night. The Packers have to win this game because they've their two losses have been pretty bad ones. Get destroyed by Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, who by no stretch of the imagination is a good team. And the destroying loss against Tampa Bay, they have to make a statement. They have to beat San Francisco uh, on Thursday night. Now, what is the one thing San Francisco does just like Minnesota did and just like Tampa does? Run the football. Run the football. Jamichael Hasty, watch out. Yes, watch out. I'm not – if I'm – not wrong, Jarek McKinnon is still hurt, correct? No, McKinnon's back, but like apparently he has, I don't want to say syndrome, I don't know if that's the right word, but something where he's got like tired leg issues. Like his legs well, are just Tevin like shot. Coleman, Tevin Coleman's still out. Coleman was back he's and really, now he's, he's back not, out. He's, not, he's ruled out. It's going to be a Jamichael Hasty game, bro. Load him out in your fantasy lineups. Get him out there. Yeah, Green Bay <laughs> the should win that bit. game by two touchdowns. You say that. You say that. No, I'm confident. Whereas Monday night, I say, dude, everybody's counting on the Giants to get blown out. He said, watch, you're going to make it a close game. This game's not going to be close. You say it, Pat. We're doing Friday picks. We do picks on Friday. This would be a pick I would make. I go back in time and make this pick. It's locked in. I'm locking it in for you. It's a bonus pick for for you. It's a bonus pick for both of us. For the listeners listeners who turn this around before Thursday night, you're welcome. Or if you want to come, take the points with the Niners, baby. Jermichael Hasty. You think the Niners are going to cover? <laughs> no, I'm just. You're, you're just. You're, I just. I'm. Lo- I'm starting Jamichael Hasty in, in, in all my fan, <laughs> like in three fantasy leagues. I'm playing Hasty, so I need him to to do you something are, for me. You are Hasty on Hasty. <laughs> exactly. What's the spread even at right now? As as I segue to the next uh, topic here, I'll get to that. As spread. of as of Wednesday night, I think it has ballooned to seven. You probably you might see it seven and a half eight. Wow, that's that's large. That's a large number. I'm just saying. <laughs> If, if I honestly, there's a good chance I bet the Niners tomorrow night. I'm just saying, I don't like it. I you just gotta bet things you don't like. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, so don't take my word. Take Patty Boyle's uh, Packers pick. Anyways, one more thing we have to talk about before we do a quick little preview of Week Nine is uh, what was leading as probably the first or second biggest story of Week Eight, and that's Tua Tonga Viola and the Dolphins. Right, the Steelers Ravens might have been the number one story. They might have been two. Depends who you are. Right. That game, a little weird. We talked about it before with the picks. Tua didn't have to do much. The Dolphins' defense and special teams did all of it. Goff looked terrible. Rams looked terrible. I don't know. Pat, is there even something you could take away from this game? Is there something that you can look at with Tua or maybe the Dolphins as a whole and say, this is something I know or this is something I feel confident about or this is why I like the Dolphins moving forward or don't like them moving forward? I don't know. Wherever you want to take it. What do you, what do you know? How do you feel? Well, I know that the Miami Dolphins have one of the best defenses in the NFL and that Brian Flores is another coach that you're sticking with. Giants oh, yeah. sticking with Joe Judge. Brian Flores, you should give him a five-year extension right now. Again, this is a team that was tank for Trevor, tank for Tua. You know, let's, let's just be as bad as we can next year um, when the Dolphins were, what was it, 0-6, and, and they found a way to compete and, and be a pretty, you know, competitive football team. And they still got Tua because of all the injuries. I worked out pretty nicely for them. And I believe over their last 16 games, I want to say they're 10 and six, nine and seven. 
They were they were frisky last year at the end of the year. I believe they've got the second best scoring defense in the entire AFC. And, you know, you finally like you open open your eyes and open my eyes, obviously, against the Rams special teams defense. Another team that just competes hard as hell. Every play. Ryan Flores has done a remarkable job. That is a team to look out for. Maybe not this year, next year, two years, Tua, they can get him another weapon, build the offensive line just a little bit more. Dude, Miami Dolphins probably going to make a playoff run next year. Well, they Um, have a chance to make the playoff run this year. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. They do. But I just didn't, you know, to answer your question about Tua, you really can't take away much. I think he only threw the ball uh, down the field from more, like he only threw in the air more than eight yards, I think three times. All of his passes were quick little passes. He only threw the ball for 92 yards. And if you don't watch the game, you're saying, well, I mean, yeah, what are they really not even used to? I mean, they didn't have to. The defense and the special teams completely won that game. Tua was basically an innocent bystander. Uh, that being said, you know, he didn't turn the ball over a ton. He got clobbered on the first drive by uh, the Rams front four, hung in there. Um, other than saying he's obviously tough and he was able to bounce back and kind of manage that game to a win. Not a whole lot you can take away, but he will, a lot of eyes will be on him on Sunday when they take on Arizona at 4.30 on the road. That is a must-watch game, in my opinion. And that is really where you're going to see Tua have to perform because Arizona's offense is going to move the ball, mm-hmm. even against Miami's tough D. And Arizona's got one of the best defenses in the NFL as well. That is going to be an awesome, awesome game. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. The only thing I want to add to that, and it worries me a bit about Tua, and I wish Mule was here to give us his uh, inside Miami Dolphins perspective, but they can't really run the ball. They, they, they just don't have much of a run game. Miles Gaskin is a guy who you know became a fantasy player just because he is the main back, but it's not like he has good rushing numbers. He's just getting some dumps, and he's getting in the end zone. But that worries me a little bit, right? What is the best friend to uh, a rookie quarterback is being able to run the ball? Not everybody's like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert where they're coming out just slinging because that's exactly what's happening in Cincy and and with the Chargers. They're ready to pass. Burrow's throwing 40, 50 times a game. I don't know what it looks like if the Dolphins have to throw 40 times a game. Don't know what it looks like. And currently, doesn't seem like it's going to look very pretty. Exactly. So you can't rely on the defense to do all this stuff every game, week in, week out. You just can't. And especially because Pete, Miles Gaskin's already been ruled out for yeah, Sunday. That bitch, Matt Miles Gaskin. is questionable. You're looking at Jordan Howard and, you know, maybe Patrick Laird as your two running backs on Sunday. Matt Breida, is he alive? Is he with the dog? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on the top of their depth chart right now. He's how questionable. I don't, I don't even know how much he's even played this year. I haven't paid a ton of attention to uh, the Dolphins no. running Well, game. it's been mostly Gaskin, so. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Basically Brita's run the ball, uh, on average about six, seven times every game, you know, 20, 25 yards, nothing too Modest. impressive. Yeah. I don't, he hasn't scored this year, yeah. but he's going to be getting the majority of the snaps, um, on Sunday. And I, I guarantee you too, is going to have to do a lot more than he did last week. Yeah, man. And you know what? It's a minus four and a half right now. I think that's respect to the Miami defense, but the Cardinals can score, so unless you're really creating turnovers or points of the defense, I, this is like this feels like the real debut of Tua. Basically, basically last week feels like it doesn't yeah, count. Perfectly said. Didn't ha- didn't happen. Last week doesn't doesn't even count. This is Tua's real debut. He got to you know dust off some rust, and uh, we'll see what happens against a secondary. I think Byron Murphy might be out for the Cardinals. He is uh, might be on the COVID list right now, so that'll be that'll be a help for uh, for Tua in that offense. But it'll be, it's going to be a tough one. 
I look forward to it greatly. Anyways, Pat Boyle, Pete Kennedy here on Subway Sports Talk. I think it's time. We just did a little preview with that Dolphins-Cardinal situation. We'll see how they look. Pat, I'll go to you first. Let's just bounce around a game or two as we as we finish up here. Uh, we mentioned a couple of games we're looking forward to already, but can you highlight one more for me here, Patty? Um, yeah, I'll give you two. I'll give you one quick one. So obviously, you know, you've got the two of the best teams in the NFL, Seahawks, Bills, 1 o'clock, Bills Mafia, not there, but obviously you're going to have uh, all the implications of this game. You're going to have Russ Wilson versus Josh Allen, two teams that are explosive. Uh, the offenses, uh, for the most part, have been pretty, pretty dominant. Uh, this is going to be a question of which defense is going to come to play and whose defense performs better is going to win this game. Because you know Russ is going to do his thing. You know Josh Allen and Diggs, and that offense is going to do their thing. Um, Seattle's defense has been lackluster. Buffalo's has shown up at times. Other times they've gotten torched. So uh, that's a game I'm really looking forward to. I think Buffalo can win that game. And then the other one I'm really looking forward to, Pete, um, is on uh, Sunday night, like you said, the rematch, Saints-Bucks. I still think, you know, Brady and the Bucks they kind of have to prove themselves every week, even there now. Now they're, now they're lifted as one of the favorites in the NFC. They're one of the favorites to get to the Super Bowl. I still think they have to come out of this game victorious against a Saints team that we mentioned has basically, you know, kind of lucked themselves into four straight come from behind wins. They've uh, you, they've snuck into a great spot to continue success, but exactly. it hasn't been pretty or that impressive, basically. Yep, prime time in Tampa, Breeze, Brady again. Obviously, you got Collinsworth, Michael's calling the oh game. It's going to be God. tremendous. You know what? Uh, how many times did they mention the touchdown record? I love it. Yeah. You know, oh, every that, single and, oh, week, dude, it's like, oh, got that too. Brady passes Breeze, and then Brady passes Breeze. Can we just, like, we can mention it every time. Like, oh, now Brady's on top. Let's not make crazy graphics every week. I mean, let's do something at the end of the season. It's going to change every week. Off, off the top of my head, too, you got that. So, yeah, I mean, that should hopefully live up to the billing more than it did uh, in week one, where the Saints kind of, uh, you know, thoroughly won that game. Yeah. And we were all sitting here saying, oh, what's going on in Tampa? They got it? I don't know. But now, A.B., is A.B. ready yet? No, not nah, right? Not yet. A.B.'s not playing. I think he might be. Yeah? I got to look that up. Let me I'll, give you a quick check or, on that. Why I go through my games, you you give, give a peek to that. And uh, the first game I want to start with. I can answer it right now, but oh, yes, he will play. You're quick. Antonio Brown will play. Antonio Brown will play. He's I wonder what the odds. on Tuesday. He is going to play. So then you've got that thrown in the mix as well. You hate Antonio Brown. Do you love him? Either way, love eyeball is going to be talent? on the screen. As a, as a wide receiver, that guy is absolutely outrageously incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, you probably you love him. I think everybody loves him as a player, but right. a lot of people hate him for the type of person he is. For his shenanigans, if you will. Myself, myself included. I hate Antonio Brown. I hope he you know utterly fails, and that's going to fall back on Brady because he's the one that basically brought him under his wing. How funny is it, too? It's like uh, Antonio Brown's living at Tom Brady's house, right? So... Tom Brady goes on his radio uh, hit every day, does every week. And it's like, yeah, I wanted to be a good teammate. It's like a new place for him. It's like Antonio Brown shouldn't need like somebody to show him around a city, like, or let him stay on the couch. He has a crap ton of money, I assume. And well, I'm pretty fragile. sure he lives like, fragile he is. I mean, apparently he lives like three hours away is what I heard from uh, via Kevin Clark on his podcast, uh, he, the ringer. But Pete, what does that tell you? You know, you're saying you, know, you shouldn't have somebody show him around. Brady's no, coddling him. That's good. How, yeah, because he's a baby. Antonio Brown, he's so mentally fragile. That oh. You have to kind of give him, put him in a perfect situation so he doesn't become a distraction like he has everywhere else. Also also um, speaks to Tom Brady's willingness to win and that he doesn't really care about, like, 
No, he doesn't. People. If Aaron Hernandez is still around, bro, I think he'd bring him back. Too that's, far? Is that too far? That is, that is too far. <laughs> <laughs> do that I is cut, too far. Do I cut that? Uh, no, you can let it go. Nah, I might. Uh, it was funny. It, it was, was funny. It was in good taste. I mean, we all know. Aaron Hernandez has done messed up. Anyways. Uh, there's no player props right now on DraftKings that I'm seeing for Antonio Brown's touchdowns, but we'll, we'll keep an eye. Maybe we'll talk about it on Friday. Anyways, my game, my first game I want to talk about that I think sneaky interesting. Sneaky interesting. You got the the gunslinger at home, Justin Herbert, the guy who will keep throwing, even when his team should just try to sit on the ball and run the clock out, keep slinging. The Chargers and Justin Herbert, very exciting team, but only 2-5 and five right now, Pat. They've been impressive but they have not been able to hold on to a lead and close out games. And that's Anthony Lynn's MO. We wanted to blame it on Phil Rivers, and I think Phil Rivers deserves a bit of blame. We'll see now when the, the Raiders are a beatable team for the Chargers. They're a beatable team. Can they can they can they do it? Can Herbert not make the mistake? Can Lynn manage the game uh the way they need to? That being said, I'm just curious about this Raiders team, man. They they put together these performances where Derek Carr has looked a lot better uh, than Dink and Duck Derek Carr that we've seen in the past couple of years. Josh Jacobs, we know what he can do. The defense is frisky. John Gruden was a, a, the biggest running joke in the National Football League two years ago, and now this is one of the most respectable, solid teams in the league, Pat. So I don't know what to think about that game. I don't know who to bet in that game. I probably want to lean towards the points just because it seems like it, it's due to be very close. But I think this game is damn interesting, and the Raiders, if they win, can really put themselves in a good spot to make a playoff run. No, absolutely. I mean, the Chargers' season's basically on the line. Two and six, rookie quarterback, as good as he's been. As I've been high on Justin Herbert, said he should have been drafted ahead of Tua. I'm going to stay on that until I've been proven wrong. Um, But two and six, mm, division they're in, they're done if they lose this game. So their season's basically on the line. And, uh, again, you mentioned it with Vegas – They've got a chance to, you know, bolster themselves into a serious playoff uh, spot if they win this game. So, yeah, I agree. Very, very interesting. In the 4 o'clock window uh, where you basically only have one other game that's worth watching with the Dolphins and the Cardinals, uh, I don't – I you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, just don't even watch the game on Sunday uh, against the Steelers. So, who's, who's, you, got, you got two great games in the 4 o'clock window and, and one where it's going to be an absolute blood bloodbath. Yeah, hopefully uh, Scott Hansen and Red Zone lead me lead me to where I need to go in that 4 o'clock window. And I, I, I trust that they will. Uh, my second game I do want to highlight here, it's, uh, it's one that isn't very flashy. It's definitely not a team in the Colts that I particularly enjoy watching that much. But Ravens-Colts is an AFC matchup obviously where they're both five five win teams now Lamar is playing a very sound solid Colts team that I feel like they need to win convincingly and that's why I'm interested because the Colts have a way of making all these games interesting uh last week Naheem Hines doing backflips in the end zone they're looking kind of exciting their defense is solid we know that Frank Reich may be the only reason the Eagles were the Eagles when when they were actually good a couple years back who knows but this is an opportunity for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to beat a very good team that they're competing with in AFC playoff positioning. It's it's a, a game that's not the most flashy. It's not going to be perhaps the most exciting as far as you know big plays or big moments and all this stuff, but it should be hard fought, some good run games, some old school football, uh, and, and it's just something that I think will teach us a lot 
one team or another where we say, oh, snap, the Colts might be, like, for real in, like, the contender range, or we say, oh, snap, the Ravens don't got it, or the Ravens smoke, who knows? Whatever the outcome is, we're walking away learning a lot about the AFC. So I'm very excited about that game. Yep, something's going to give. 3-0 at home, Indianapolis, Baltimore, 3-0 on the road. Undefeated road team, undefeated home team. Classic Uh, two-and-a-half spread, Ravens minus two-and-a-half. I mean, it's something you kind of just would expect there, right? I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of short money on Indianapolis. Uh, This is a spot, though, where I think the Sharpies can get busted because I think this is a spot Baltimore off that loss. I think they do have a lot to prove. I think they put together a good game plan, and I still don't think Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis is that good. Yeah. I'm 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 kind of with you there. I'm with you. I think the Ravens route it. I don't know I mean, exactly at, where the money the, is. We'll talk teams. about it on Friday. Yeah, just a real last uh, point here. Look at the team Indianapolis has beaten. Detroit, not a good team, in my opinion. As Matt Patricia's job by winning the games they have. Right. Cincinnati, Chicago, the Jets, and the Vikings. Not impressed. The most impressive win is Chicago, perhaps, and they're not impressive. And the Lions are average at best. So and let's, you know. and let's not forget that week one loss to Jacksonville, which knocked out which is hilarious at this point. Suicide pools. Uh, me myself included. I didn't want to do it. I did it anyway, and here we are. Me not being in a suicide pool. How you doing? Anyways, so Subway Sports Talk, Pat. This has been this has been awesome. I I don't even know how long we went so far. Let me check this out here. It's been going on an hour. Oh wow, we're we're hitting an hour here. It's perfect time. Uh, to say our goodbyes and to do last words as we do every episode of Subway Sports Talk. We will be back for picks on Friday. Uh, but for now, Patrick Boyle, last words, whatever you want. Uh, Bill Belichick should resign from oh New God. England if they lose to the Jets on Monday night. There's nothing That's else to shot. say but that. Four in a row, as bad as they've been, as bad as they are, they have so many deficiencies. If they lose to the Jets on Monday, Bill Belichick should say, you know what? You're welcome for the titles. You're welcome for the two decades of success. I'm out. I, I almost made the joke before. Um, my most intriguing game was Pat's Jets on Monday night, but I was it was even bad as a joke. <laughs> it wasn't even a good joke. I mean, you know what? He's positioning himself for the reset. You heard his radio uh, thing. It's been a talking point this week about how he's saying, oh, we're trying to be young for cap flexibility, yada, 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 excuse, excuse. I don't know what it is. Who knows? Their team's not good. They had the most opt-outs. They have a quarterback who's not good right now. They don't have any receivers. They're not good. I don't know. Who knows what happens, but they best beat the Jets. You're you're right there. Uh, My last words. Next week, I've been starting, Pat. The deep dive has commenced on the NBA draft. It's finally happening. It's weird for me to do it in October, November. It feels just like my brain is all messed up. The NBA season might start in like a month or two. I I don't know what's happening. All I know is that the NBA draft is going to happen November 18th. And it's like Christmas for you, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited, but it, I'm almost like not as excited as normal because it's such a weird timing, and my brain is all thrown off. But it, it has started. I've been deep diving the YouTube. I'm watching as many guys as I can. And next week, we're going to hit our first NBA draft episode. We're probably going to go back-to-back weeks on that front uh, right up into it, which is, I guess, November 18th, two weeks away. Yes or no, Pete? No explanation. Lamelo Ball is he number one? No. Okay. No. I don't we'll, know a ton about the NBA draft class. You're the, you're the basketball savant. You know what? We're uh, this is one of the weirdest drafts. 
that I've ever, you know, really focused on. Obviously, I'm not going to say, like, my lifetime. I wasn't paying attention to drafts like that when I was freaking 10 years old. So, in the past, like, <laughs> five six, five to seven years when I was actually, like, paying attention and, like, doing research a bit, uh, this is this craziness. Like, uh, there's so much variation in this draft, and that's what makes it exciting, makes it scary for people, you know, talking about the draft as well as the GMs having to make the damn picks. But it will be exciting. I'll say that much. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Pat Boyle, thank you. As always, man, shout-out to Rock. Shout-out to Mule. We'll be back on our regularly scheduled programming next week with Tuesday morning uh, recap of the Week 9 football talk, all that fun stuff, NBA draft talk, and then picks every Friday now. Pete and Pat picks pod. That's what it is. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.